Pastor Xavier Reese and the man God equips to equip his church. The indication that God raises a church up is that he equips it with necessary gifted men, as the text tells us. The Lord Jesus calls and anoints men for ministry, not man. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Gifted men. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When looking for a new church to attend, there are various things for the prospective member to consider. Things like location, children and youth ministries, style of worship, and biblical teaching. But what is it that God is looking for in the men who will lead the church? Well, for the answer to that question, Pastor Xavier turns back to the book of Acts for three important identifying characteristics God calls for in ministry. In the book of Acts, we have uh, been seeing the activity of the Holy Spirit through the men God chose to proclaim His gospel. Proclaim salvation to all, not just a few. The church was birthed at Pentecost as the Holy Spirit fell, and 3,000 were added to the church in Jerusalem. This is the existence of the church there in Jerusalem, chapter 1 through 7. Then the church began a period of persecution, and the word was taken to all of Judea and all of Samaria. This marked the expansion of the church, the Ethiopian eunuch, Cornelius, the Samaritans. God has and was in control, directing the church through the first 12 chapters in fulfillment of the words of Jesus. And now, he was about to accomplish the final words of Jesus, declaring the ultimate ends of the earth. From 13 to 28, Paul becomes a central figure. Peter drops out. We'll mention him one time in the church council in Acts 15, but that's it for Peter. Let me read our text here. It'll give us our identifying marks. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Mannion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Luke gives to us three identifying marks characterizing the men of the church of Antioch, which becomes the missionary-minded church. They're as follows. They were men of the word, verse 1. They were men of the Holy Spirit in verse 2. And they were men of prayer, verse 3. Real simple. You need all three. Those keep you unbalanced. Very important. Let's begin here with verse 1. They were men of the word. Notice the church of Antioch was to become the missionary center in contradistinction to Jerusalem. This is the focus here also. Uh, now the church that was at Antioch, the city of Antioch, as you know, became the center that the Jews could have never even believed or accepted. They had a hard time with the Gentiles. It was the third largest city of the Roman world, Rome being first, then Alexandria. It was located on the Rontes River, 15 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. And it was founded by Seleucus Nicator of the Seleucid dynasty and was the capital of Syria, uh, named after his father. If you remember the studies in Daniel, uh, as Alexander the Great died, then his generals, the kingdom was divided. 
this is the guys that we're talking about. Uh, it was a wealthy city called the Eyes of Asia. Uh, a large Jewish community and colony was there. Very prominent um, Greek influence. And it was a byword of luxury and immorality. Kind of like Vegas, Atlantic City, stuff like that. It had a temple of Delphine, who was said to have been changed into a laurel uh, bush to avert Apollo's sexual pursuit. And in fact, the sacred priestesses would reenact this entire sexual rite just uh, five miles outside of the city. And as you know, all these pagan cities, they are surrounded and they are infiltrated and permeated through sexual rites and many gods. Uh, it's common throughout the world if you've ever traveled, if you come from, uh, from Mexico, from uh, any Latin American country, you, you understand this. Uh, that's the whole basis of, of much of the uh, religions of the country. And the Church of Antioch was said to be established due to the persecution that scattered the Christians. Uh, chapter 11, verse 19 through 20 gives us that, that earmark there. And in verse 19 there, the word spread as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But then in verse 20 of chapter 11, the word of God was preached to the Greeks by the men who came from Cyprus, Cyrene, and they had come to Antioch, and they began to preach to the Hellenists, and the Hellenists there is the Greeks, in contrast to the Jews. So here's the extension of the church. You had the presence of the church, you had the expansion of the church, now you have the extension to the ends of the world, fulfilling the prophecy, the words of Jesus Christ in Acts one eight. Now, the work at Antioch was confirmed by Barnabas. It says there, Now news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Now remember, they sent Peter and John to Samaria to verify it. He did the same thing with Barnabas. And then the church was taught by Barnabas and by Saul for a year there at Antioch. And it's the first place that we're called Christians. We've, we've mentioned this before in chapter 11, verse 26. We, we understand that. So he went there in 43. They had been there a year, so 44 is what we're talking about, 44 AD. And, and the church at Antioch, remember, sent relief to the poor, saints of Jerusalem, by the hand of Barnabas and Saul, because Agabus the prophet had prophesied of the famine to come. In Acts 11.30 and 12.25, they come back. So this brings us up to speed right here, chapter 13. All these things have happened. God has been working, verifying, confirming everything else, so we know it's a work of God. It isn't something that men just planned out to do. Very, very important. So here again, we see the pattern of leadership directed by what? The Holy Spirit of God. And what's the guidance? The Word of God. Real simple. It's like your GPS. It tells you where to go. And yet all of a sudden it tells you, make a right. You go, no, 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 it's not right. And you don't obey it. Well, it says, we have to reconfigure now. Because you thought you were smarter than your GPS. And that's God. He's directing. Oh, no, it can't be God. He said, just follow my word. Notice the church of Antioch was equipped with men who were prophets and teachers. He names them there for us. Prophets were those who spoke on behalf of God, revealing the word of God. The primary function of a prophet, as you know, was to be the mouthpiece of God. To call people back to repentance. Secondary, he would give future events, but that was always a secondary function, Old and New Testament. As you know, Agabus prophesied of the famine to come in Acts eleven twenty seven. He is one of the prophets there at Antioch, okay? And most likely he was here present. The two are connected, eleven twenty seven and here 13, 1. Very important. Now, teachers, as you know, 
are men who expound the word of God so that the people of God can receive growth, development, nourishment. Okay? You teach the word of God. You need vegetables. You need meat. You need things that are going to balance you out so you can grow in Christ Jesus. This is what the lack of the church is and always has been. To expound the word of God. To reveal what the word of God says. Not that you can't understand. You can't if you do the same study that I do. Inductive Bible study. And we encourage you to do that so you don't depend upon us. And that you check us. Very important. But for the most part, God's people are lazy. They don't study the word of God. They just want to sit and say, you feed me. Well, how do you know I'm, I'm, I'm feeding you wheat? How do you know I'm not feeding you Sinai? You better check things out. These teachers were not functioning under their own natural ability, but supernatural. Very important. Endowed by God. Called by God. Anointed by God. It is very, very, very clear. So the believer must know the word of God, lest he be deceived. Now, the men identified here are identified by their gifts. Prophets and teachers. Now they're identified by their names. There's five of them. And they were probably part of the elders of the church at Antioch, too. Now, Barnabas is first from Cyprus, a benevolent man, a leading member of the church in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 4, 9, 11. We hear him. He gave money at first when things were going bad in Jerusalem. He's been used by God. He took uh, uh, Paul on, onto his side, allowed him to be accepted by those who were rejecting him when he fled Damascus, an incredible man, son of consolation. Then you have um, Simeon, a Hebrew name there, who's called Niger, which is a Latin name, and it means black. So most likely he was from Africa, probably a proselyte. Some try to link him with Simon Cyrene, who carried the cross of Jesus and Mark and Luke, but he makes the distinction Niger. So he's much different than the other guy. So we don't, we don't connect him, but some do. Uh, Lucius of Cyrene, a uh, Latin name. He could be, have been one of the initial ones who preached the gospel to the Greeks in chapter 11, verse 20. Because it tells us that. But he's not to be confused with the other one, the same name in Romans 16, 21. Now, Manian, fourthly, is the name who means comforter. And he was of the upper class. He uh, was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, who killed John the Baptist, we're told. And um, the phrase could imply that he was an intimate friend a foster brother, or nursed by the same mother. Whatever it may be, he was very close, he was very affiliated, and he was from upper class. What a difference it makes. Herod heard the gospel, he stayed a rat and got a bigger rat. Manian, he heard the gospel, he repented and got used of God. Does that sound familiar? 34, 35 years I've been walking with God. Some of my friends are still back there. They're messed up right now. Here I am, clothed and sane by the grace of God. You understand? It's a choice you make regarding the gospel. Saul, he's God's instrument to the Gentiles, remember? Chapter 9, to Israel, to kings, to the Gentiles. We'll get more into him as we move along. But um, later on, he'll be called Paul. And he becomes a central figure of the book of Acts now from chapter 13 to 28. Peter will be mentioned one more time, as I said, in the first church council, Acts 15, and that's it. Now, the word of God. Pattern for not only Christian living, but leadership. Very important. Listen to A.W. Tozer. His devotional renewed day by day, September 24th. 
I observe with pain amusement how many water boys of the pulpit in their efforts to be prophets are standing up straight and tall and speaking out boldly in favor of ideas that have been previously fed into their minds by the psychiatrists, sociologists, novelists, and scientists, and secular educators. A new decalogue has been adopted by the neo-Christian of our day. It's neither new, neo, neither is a Christian. The first word of which reads, Thou shalt not disagree. Whoa, this is way back in the early last century. The middle of it. And a new set of Beatitudes too, which begins, Blessed are they that tolerate everything, for they shall not be made accountable for anything. Does it describe the church today? The indication that God raises a church up is that he equips it with the necessary gifted men, as the text tells us. The Lord Jesus calls and anoints men for ministry, not man. The fact that a man has degrees from a seminary is no guarantee that he is called or anointed of God. Some merely choose to go to seminary. This does not mean that I am against education. Only that you need to know you are called first. So as to not allow your education to substitute the anointing. These men were God's gifted men to the church. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor, teachers. Gifted men to perfect the church as we're going to see. No different than you. Just different gifts. You understand? The church is the community God's redeemed, not a building. Many today are becoming anti-church, the new liberal church. They want to have house church instead of gathering with the saints. And they have all kinds of lame excuses. Well, you know, pastors can't be trusted, this and that. Get your eyes on Jesus. If you fall because a man falls, then you're following man, not Jesus. You understand? If you're stranded on an island, you and three buddies, you can have house church. As long as you're in a city... You're to gather with the saints. It's one of the key marks of carnality and walking away from God. It's very clear. The book of Hebrews says that. Forsake not the gathering of the saints as the manner of some is. The church body will be equipped with the necessary gifted individuals to ensure the growth, development, maturity of the saints, the community. In fact, this is the purpose of the church in Ephesians 4. 12 through 16. Let me just walk you through it. In verse 12, the purpose for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We are here for you. We're not here for ourselves. We're trying to exercise the gift and the calling that God has given to us by the grace of God. The duration is in verse 13. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You're to become more like Christ, not like your pastor, not like the elders. The reason, 14 and 15, that we should be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every one of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceit, plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is head, Christ. There's people out there ready to deceive you. Many of them stand behind pulpits. Say they're pastors, Christians. The efficiencies in verse 16. From whom the whole body, 
Join and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edification of, of itself in love. You do your part, I do my part, and guess what? At the end of the day, God gets his, his church done. Just simple. Now, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Listen to what it says. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The word vision there does not mean vision for ministry. The word is a revelation of God's word. For guidance and instruction for maturity of life. You understand? A church and a person that does not study the word of God, it's a matter of time before they fall away or are deceived. You must grow. You must be able to detect the genuine from the false. Like those who teach positive confession that you are to maintain your faith and claim it and name it. And you know, it will come to pass. That's nothing but TM. You're creating your own reality. It's been around for 25 years. Those that teach that you're little gods and that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. It's nothing but new age, which is revived Hinduism. Those that teach the so-called new reformation, embracing the diversity of cultures and religions to become one in order to establish the kingdom of God. It's nothing but ecumenicalism. Rick Warren speaking to the Pew Forum on Religion in 205. Listen to his words. Quote, when you get 25% of America which is basically Catholic, and you get 28 to 29% of America that is evangelical together, that's called a majority. And it is a very powerful block. If they happen to stay together in particular issues, I would encourage you to look at the evolving, there's a key word, evolving alliance between the evangelical, Protestant, and Catholic. It's all about ecumenicalism, not about scripture, not about Bible. You need to understand that. And he is commending what I'm going to share with you about the emerging church. He embraces it and their leaders. And many of them say, you don't have to be born again to experience God. And we can learn from all faiths. We can learn from the Buddhists. We can learn from the Muslim. Well, I read the book of Acts. Paul went to Athens and says, you guys don't know what you worship. You need to turn. Now we're going to better the gospel? Those that teach that the Bible is not solely the absolute authority for life and practice to judge a Christian is the emerging church that we're experiencing now. That we can learn from other religions, as I said, cultures, and experience God through contemplative prayer, mantras, imagery, to experience, quote, quote, the presence of God. That's why they call it a new reformation, a new type of Christian, a spiritual Christian, contradicting all the word of God. It's not only revived Hinduism, it goes back to monastic practices of the Catholic Church of the Desert Fathers of 3rd and 4th century. And they say, well, see, we've missed all these things, we can learn from these things. Well, let's go back to the early church, the book of Acts. Let's not go to the Catholic beginning in 3rd or 4th century. They don't represent the scriptures. The book of Acts represents what God allowed. The scriptures. This is the emerging church rejecting the Bible and its authority. Despising anyone who takes the Bible literal particularly the second coming. Brian McLaren says the book of Revelation is about the kingdom of God now, claiming Jesus said nothing about the period of catastrophic judgment. What? What do you do? Well, you got to make a decision. Who are you going to follow? God, his word, or man and his deeds? <laughs> but look at all the good. Great. A lot of people in hell have done a lot of good. A lot of smart people in hell too. A lot of sincere people in hell. It's really your choice. 
Men of the Word stand up against false teaching and heresy as watchmen. We just finished the series on the watchmen of Ezekiel 18, 33. Paul tells Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. He says, I urge you when I went into Macedonia, uh, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That's the gospel. Nor give heed to fables, endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love for a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things they affirm. This is the men of the emerging church. First Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit expressly says, In latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. The New Age, the emerging church, much of it involves demons. Contemplative prayer. They turn the lights down, burn candles. Have prayer stations. They have um, what they call uh, labyrinths, little maze things. And you start your journey there. And as you're going in, you're contemplating, you're meditating, you're this and that. And you're trying to empty your mind. The Bible never tells you to empty your mind. That's what you do in TM and Hinduism so that you can become aware how that you are God. It's a call on demons. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn from their ear away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But people don't like to hear this stuff. It's all right. What are you going to do? 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to yourselves and the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this you will both save yourself and those who hear you. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Titus 1.10 and 11 Peter warns about false teachers and false Prophets in Second Peter 2, 1 and 2. Listen. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bringing on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And you listen, and you read the literature of these men, they blaspheme the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God is a pattern for leadership, ladies and gentlemen. It's never changed. The men of Antioch were men of what? The Word. Are you a man and a woman of the Word? If not, you're a candidate for deception. Notice verse 2. They were men of the Holy Spirit. The men were seeking and waiting on God, evident of being filled with the Spirit of God as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting uh, the Spirit-filled life. They were ministering. We get our word liturgy from it. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, it is used for the Levites and their ministry. The word meant to occupy public office at one's own expense and also service to the state. It appears three times in the New Testament describe the gift to the poor in Jerusalem from Macedonia. Romans 15, 26-27 and 2 Corinthians 8, 1-4. These men serve the Lord from their hearts not for gain or profit. It seems that all the church is concerned about is raising money so they can build a new building 
It's not what the church is about, ladies and gentlemen. You're the church. And what it's about is me feeding you. So that you don't have to depend on me. And you can depend on Jesus. These men serve with their gifts and giving themselves to God. Pastor Xavier Reese is working through a list of identifying marks specified by God for those he qualifies for church leadership, while also describing several warnings of false doctrines, both old and new, to beware of. Now, we need to let you know there's much more to this message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is Antioch, the Missionary Church. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. So once again, the title to ask for is Antioch, the Missionary Church. Or simply mention today's date. Now, you can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Join us for more on the godly characteristics of the first century church on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 